Welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTIQ news and public affairs show, featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. Live from the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening, loves. Welcome to another episode of Blooming Out. I'm Melanie Davis. I'm Justin Robertson. I'm Ireland Meacham. Oh, you're on mute, Lucas. <laughs> and I'm Lucas Fisher. <laughs> I was so proud of my delivery. And then I wasn't even on. Oh, it's, that's how this week has been. It's how this week yeah. has been. Oh, we have two extra special guests in the in the uh, studio tonight. Um, <laughs> the Zudio. The Zudio. Zoom, Zoomdio? Zudio? Zudio. Uh, <laughs> Ashley Hemseth and Velvet Malone. Welcome. Welcome. Okay, I'm sorry. Welcome. Thank you for being on the show. It's so great to have guests. <laughs> it is. Fresh meat. Yay. Since COVID started, we haven't had so many. Right. And and we used to have people on all the time. We would have had you on had earlier had we uh, been doing this. So I'm I'm grateful that you answered the call out and that you're on and are going to give your perspectives. Um, let's do a, a round of introductions. Uh, Molly Davis, she, her, hers. I'm a co-host. Uh, do you want to just go in the order from from the intros? Sure. And <laughs> I'm Justin Robertson. I'm a co-host. I've been with the show, I think, now for about three years. Um, I'm he, him, his. <laughs> and... Um, what else do you need to know about me right now? Everything. And, well, I, I can't tell everything. Just no. Yet. Oh, okay. All right. Still the beans. <laughs> right. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm Ireland. Uh, they them. Uh, I've been with the show for I think like two years now. Um, yeah. yeah, and I started out as an intern, and now here we are in co-host. So that's fun. <laughs> now you're the star. Right? Well, Justin, me. you've always been the star. <laughs> <laughs> the co-host from the East Coast. Yep, yeah, I live in Brooklyn now. I yep, transfer or relocated earlier this year. So because of Zoom, I'm still be able to be on the show, which is great. Hey. Luke, is it my turn? Yeah. Yes. Okay, my name is Lucas Fisher. I have been engineer on this show for oh, oh, two years now, I think. And uh, I just graduated. And I, my pronoun, pronouns are he, him, his, his, hisle. Uh, <laughs> sorry, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that's it. I make music. Woo! Awesome. Um, Ashley? Yeah, that's me. Um, I'm Ashley himself. I'm he, uh, she, her, hers. I am a former PhD student in criminal justice, and um, I'm just super happy to be on here, other than the whole election thing, which is a dumpster fire of, of everything else that's been going on in 2020. So mm-hmm. I'm happy to see Melanie's face, though, because I've missed you a lot. I miss you, too. Yeah, it's been a long time. Velvet? So I'm Velvet Malone. I am a uh, truck driver here in Bloomington. I'm also a um, artist, a streamer on Twitch, and I'm going back to college for a bachelor's in game art. 
hopefully the next year or so. I feel I feel underperforming here. That's yeah, awesome. Very cool. Yeah. What kind of truck do you drive? Uh, currently it's, oh God, I don't know how to explain it. I guess it would be called a, um, not a yard dog, but it's not like one of the big rigs. It's like a smaller, more like local truck for like in city. Uh, well, you you big ones. I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I find that very impressive. Is, does it have I a beep beep on it. the wheel or is it like a, on, on the wheel? We don't have one of the, the, the pulleys. Okay. All right. I miss my 13 speed though. We'll be honest. <laughs> Awesome. Well, I have a question. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we could cut this out. Do you talk to other truckers on the truck radio? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Why not? I was wondering about that. I don't, I don't like communicating people I don't know very well um, for the most part. Fair enough. And no one ever really sat down and taught me like, hey, this is how you work these radios. So I just went on with what I was doing, didn't even think about it. I probably pissed off a lot of truckers on the way, but you know what? It's part of the job. (laughs) But how do you tell where the Smokies are? I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Waze, I think, is the way they do it now. Um, Anyway, uh, we're here. You know, before we get into all the the, uh, fun stuff, um, (laughs) how's everybody's week pre-yesterday been? Like, going back over the weekend and everything? Just anxiety riddled, you know, yep. <laughs> pretty <Yep>. much. Um, <laughs> How was Halloween? Did anybody do anything? What Halloween? <laughs> I wanted to. It, it's COVID. Like, I just, I, I've been stuck in, I'm one of those people that I refuse to leave the apartment because of COVID unless I have no choice. I'm always masked. So, yeah, I haven't left the apartment <laughs> Yeah, good for you. I, th- I think that that's a good thing. But yeah, it was it was such a waste of Halloween. You know, it was a Saturday night. It was a blue moon. Um, it's my favorite holiday. Mine too. Yeah. I love Halloween. And it's like, I had the best costume idea. And it sat in my closet. And yeah, it was, it was a huge bummer. Um, I'm a terrible person. And it was a tiny, tiny skeleton. And it was Karen and her unvaccinated child. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I wish I got around to mine. I just, I've been so like depressed lately and I'm like, I don't want to do anything. I just, I don't. (laughs) Yeah. You're not a onesie. I think everybody feels that way right now. And as Ireland said, it's just a bunch of anxiety, even, you know, Mm -hmm. after the election, we're still dealing with it. Um, So I guess misery sort of loves company. I, I, I do like to hear that other people are feeling the same way. <laughs> Although I don't wish this on anybody, Mm-mm. but we are all in sort of a strange state. That's true. Indiana's terrible. Oh, you meant that state. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm with Melanie. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I'm a little upset. So I'm upset. Did you do anything, Lucas? Did you have kids come to your oh, house? Cause... Yeah, we did. I put out, well, Jesse and I put out some candy on a tray. Oh. And I guess we had a bunch of kids. I was at work. I also bought a onesie. So <gasps> I got myself a little costume. Is it a costume? I was a cow for Halloween. It's a it's p- pajamas. I got a Super Mario uh, onesie. Oh, nice. And it's really comfy. Oh. Uh, yeah. Do you get a little box to hold over your head and like hit it and well, that's, that's nice, I guess. Yeah. 
<laughs> I need one of those. Everybody needs one of those. A little box that money comes out of? Yeah. Yeah. Just unconditional free money. <laughs> I need a blue shell at this point. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, we need one. We need one right now for this election because it's so oh, close. Yeah. It is so close right oh, now. Oh, God. And it should not be this close. Uh-uh. And that is so heartbreaking to me that it's this close. Like, really? You know? Mm-hmm. Well, well, Ian just said we're winning Michigan and we are winning Wisconsin. We, I mean, I'm just talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Assume our positions. Assume huh? that that's, yeah, that's all of us. Yeah. So we, uh, we did win Wisconsin. And Michigan and Nevada are the last two states that aren't, as of today, Wednesday at uh, 5.20 p.m. So, and we're looking at, like, Biden has to take these two states pretty much is, that that's it. That's the, that's the game plan. And if he doesn't, we're, we're kind of screwed. It's so close. It's crazy. Well, and- the possibility of a tie? Maybe. Oh, God. It's really it's kind of scary to think of that because basically, like, the way it looks right now is there, if Biden gets the two states, he will have won by two electoral votes. So, wow. Good, That's... good luck. Uh, fingers crossed. Yeah. <laughs> if there were a tie, though, could we get the vice presidents to, like, do a battle to the death and... The winner takes all. Yeah, I think that's in the Constitution. Is it? It should be. There's other. I, I, Go ahead. I think with that statement, the fly on a uh, um, Pence's head was definitely a, a ominous portent of what may happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I I wouldn't put my money on him. Um, you know, when the show airs, though, we'll know a lot more. Um, yeah, that's unfair. <laughs> everything we're saying now will be passe. <laughs> yeah in just a few short hours but it's been that way for the entire well presidency almost i mean i agree every six hours something new happens and um i i just want to get to the point where i'm not fatigued all the time right yeah so true god it's exhausting because you never know what's going to happen everything's so unexpected and not in a necessarily good or fun way yeah. yeah, definitely in a bad way. And then especially with this is what's throwing me off so much is that even if like we have that Biden just barely squeaks by what concerns me so much is anything that goes to the court for a ruling who's been stacking the courts. And I'm not just talking about the Supreme Court because I know we're all really upset about the Supreme Court or we should be if we're not. Anyone who isn't hasn't been paying attention. But he's been stacking federal courts at all levels for the last four years Mm -hmm. with people with very little experience, with very little knowledge of what they're doing who are extremely loyal to him. So I find that extremely concerning because anything that goes up to any court at any level is going to be problematic. So court cases, and even at the state level, these have still been stacked. So I'm honestly concerned about anything that's going up in front of any court right now. So we have that issue to overcome, number one. Number two, and while this does not happen very often, there's always the possibility of the Electoral College saying, nope, we're going for Trump. Right. It has happened in the history of this country. To be fair, it does not happen often. It's only happened a few times in the history of the country. 
but it has happened and it can happen. So there's two different avenues, ignoring coup, which a coup can also happen, but ignoring that, there are two separate avenues where Trump could take it, even if we say Biden wins at the election. So, you know, hey, I'm here to make everybody happy today. Sorry. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm, I'm stressed out and really upset about all of this right now. Right. Yeah, my partner said something very similar to that, like, uh, the last time we spent time together, because we usually do that on Fridays, and he was like, well, what if, you know, Biden gets all the votes, but somehow, he's like, this might also be likely, so, you know, but, you know, don't fully take my word for it, um, but he's like, but what if Trump wins? And I was like, then what do we do? Because my state of mind is on a very mild level of panic, I guess is a good way to put it with everything going on, I, I don't know how I'm going to handle if Trump does get the election this year. <sighs> that that opens up a whole other avenue of exploration is mental health during this time. And, um, you know, individually, we're going to have to, and, and as a nation, we're going to have to address this because it's a, it's a, it's a national trauma. Obviously not for half of you, but, um, uh, but it is a national trauma that we've been through and trying to heal from that is going to be a hard, um, especially without any kind of coverage, national coverage. We, we, we're just going to have to help each other as best we can. I, I don't know. I don't know how to, to handle that part. Um, any ideas? Cause it's going to take a while to kind of recover from like just seeing how much hate has happened this year too um you know, with my partner yeah you know, i'm bi biracial and you know partly hispanic and it's been hard going outside and hearing what people are saying not just for us but for other people in the community and whatnot and it's just like how are you going to resolve that next year you know how are you going to resolve that to the people that it's affected as well you know not not them but also the lgbtq you know, what, what are they going to do to help us in those positions kind of work on getting better? Yeah. I, I think the hate is probably the most surprising thing that's come out of the last four years for me. And I was just thinking about this on, because I ran out to get food before this, and I was thinking about this on the way over. Um, a good friend of mine is Jewish and she had to move to Florida. So she sent me, and this was back in 2012, she sent me this picture of this billboard that said Christmas quality at Hanukkah prices. And we cackled like idiots at that billboard because in 2012, that was hysterical. That was the funniest thing we could possibly think of because clearly some marketer was just dumb and didn't realize how racist that was. And the exact same thing today is real. Like, just a few years ago, that was the funniest joke the two of us could possibly think of. And today, not only is it not funny, that's simply the most mild form of racism we've seen today. Yeah. And I think that's probably one of the most horrifying things ever, because the amount of hate that's out there is just absolutely staggering to me. 
that's what I just can't begin to understand. And I think being in Indiana is throwing me off more than anything mm-hmm. because I look around at Indiana and all my friends are white minus a couple people. And that's confusing to me. Even in North Carolina and Virginia, the majority of my friends were, they were Jewish, they were Hispanic, they were, um, they were black. And like, I had a few white friends, but not a lot of them. And I come to Indiana and it's mostly white people here. So I feel like when people in Indiana, and I'm just speaking with Indiana in general, when they see these stories on the news, they don't think that could be my friend D, you know, that could be my friend Maria, that could be my friend Hillary. They just think, oh, that's some random person on TV. I feel like a lot of this hate is coming from the inability to recognize humanity in other people. But I don't know how to make other people understand that. I don't see a way to fix that in a sea of white people where, let's be honest, I am also one of them. I I can't give other people my lived experiences and tell them about my other friends where I see a human being that has the same skin tone, the same whatever as my other friends. I've been shut down in conversations, you know, throughout the year when that would be brought up, you know, over like just white friends of mine making comments that to them it means nothing, but to those of us who aren't fully white or aren't white, they're really just wrong. And I would bring up, hey, I'm racial because I'm trying to relate to what I'm talking about. And I've had people from out of left field go, oh, well, that doesn't make you any special, any more special. It's not what I'm, not what I'm talking about for one. And two, it just shows how much they're willing to attack that to prove my point Mm -hmm. of like how, you know, just in today's society here in the States, um, I'm sure all over, but mostly here in the States, um, how quickly that's shoved under the rug so that, you know, the the, the white behavior can be allowed constantly. And it's alarming, to be honest. Yeah, it's been eye-opening because what we're seeing now is, you know, before Trump, people were still racist. They were just quiet about it. Like it was embarrassing to be racist. You know, if people, if someone called you out as racist, that was a bad thing and something you should be ashamed of. And then Mr. Enabler Trump came in and now everyone thinks it's great to be racist and you can just be racist, you know, out in the open and all of this stuff. And so we're seeing people's true colors for real. Um, I think that hatred is calculated politically to make people not human. Yeah. And that's what's happened throughout history. And create more division. Which exactly. Is, and we've it works. So scary. It works. And that is what's very scary because, yeah, there's very many people that are very racist inside. And then you give them permission to be so and encourage them to do, as Donald Trump has done. And it gets scary like it is now. It's, it's terrifying. It's the dehumanization of the other that, I mean, we've, we've always done this, right? This is a, a natural. Um, Part and of Shakespeare about it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and you know, it might go back to animal behavior too. I mean, it might just be a primitive uh, f- part of our our psyche is to and and I'm actually doing a um uh online forum discussion thing coming up here um, for Noah's Ark, which is a local group that I didn't even hear know about. Um, but I was asked to talk about stereotypes and, you know, what I've faced in particular, 
Um, and so I've been thinking about that. And of course, it, it's being fed by everything that's happening uh, in the world right now, or in the United States, especially right now. And I'm listening to rhetoric, I'm reading things on um, right wing media sources. And even though I know I shouldn't. <laughs> um, and what I'm hearing is, especially on the right, but not exclusively, uh, definitely not exclusively, are people bringing up these stereotypes about the others um, and you know, racial or sexual or gender uh, orientation based. They're trotting these things out um, and getting ever more ridiculous with the claims, you know? So it's not just Trump with like Biden. It's, it's, you know, your, your, well, you know, in my case, family, um, with everybody. And then, then turning around saying, but you know, I'm not racist or I'm not, I don't see color. I don't see gender. I, this is just, Oh, I hate that so much. <laughs> God, isn't that the worst when people say that? Actually, I had to, um, really address something with my brother the other day because um, I left my family for being, you know, because they're super conservative and abusive. And I asked him, hey, since you're trying to rebuild this connection with me, who are you voting for? Because it's a very serious topic and I want to know what, my, or at least part of my family stands. And he was like, oh, well, you know, I think I'm going to vote for Trump because I don't like Biden. And I was like, you realize how bad that choice would be. And I'm like, you don't like, do you not understand what's going on? And I'm not including me as your sister, but like in general, have you not been paying attention? And he's like, well, you know, we're all human. And at the end of the day, you know, we all make mistakes. And I was like, oh no. <laughs> and it later devolved into me being toxic, according to him, because I was trying to address the whole, you're proving your colors right here in front of me. And I don't know how else to tell you, but you're not family of mine. <laughs> and we had to cut it quits at that point. But yeah, no, like I had a very like in real with my family on that one, like the other day. <laughs> yeah, that's, <clears throat> I have the same thing. I'm, I'm, uh, I kind of want to give them the opportunity to say something. Um, but I've heard over the past four years, pretty much exactly what I need to know about how they feel. And yeah, I've made my position known. Um, and, and they still refuse to acknowledge that. They tell me that I'm wrong for experiencing life differently than they do. Right. <laughs> like, I didn't do this to myself. This isn't like you did this. You're, you're um, people within your same mindset. So I'm going to say you. You folks did this to us. This mm -hmm. is what the names that you gave us. These are the, the situations that you put us in. And to come back and then say that we're acting wrong about it is I don't. Or how we're acting like the world's <laughs> against us. Like that's not how we're acting. We're acting because we're getting treated unjustly. Right. Like, the ones who are acting like they're um, the world's against them. I hate saying it the way that I'm going to say it. So please forgive me on this one. But is the majority of like the white population and the Republicans voting for Trump? Like any sort of attack to back at them, like, hey, you're, you're pushing too far with us. All of a sudden, it's like the old rhetoric of Christian persecution. 
oh my God, you're stifling my religion. It's freedom of religion here in the States. Da, da, da. It's like, that's not the point. You're stepping on my toes. I told you to give me space, like right. back off. And so we're back at it again, but with this. Yeah. Yeah. I have a, a statistic um, about 18 to 30 year olds. Mm-hmm. Um, so 18 year old, 18 to 30 year old uh, white people who voted in this election um, so far, something like 46, 43% of them voted for Trump, which I just think is really shocking because that's like the youth. So either, you know, the youth really is being misrepresented, which I believe, or there's just a lot of people out there who, uh, you know, voted for Trump. And yeah, it just, uh, I don't know. Sad. I, I think lumping you know, quote unquote, the youth and millennials and Gen Z uh, into one group and Gen X doesn't exist. So sorry, Justin, uh, we're out of it. <laughs> and and Ashley, I'm sorry. I just... hey, no. <laughs> um, Pull out. I'm used to, I'm... Gen X exists, damn it. <laughs> we're just a little older and we go to bed at a more reasonable hour, okay? Speak for yourself on that one. <laughs> but we have been between the boomers and the millennials. And, you know, oh, as a millennial, I resent that. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't mind being overlooked sometimes, especially when I'm doing something I probably shouldn't be, but uh, I'm like... I just want to clarify, I was talking about population-wise. Mm-hmm. The boomers and the millennials are a much larger population uh-huh. than X. And no, it's true. And anything disparaging about you. <laughs> Maybe thinking it, but I didn't say it. <laughs> <laughs> Careful, I read minds. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean we we are um, the, there's we were the slackers, and millennials are are living in their parents' basement, and you know, again with the stereotypes. And, and Gen Z is going to save us all. And Gen Z is going to save us all. So I hope so. Wait, are we hopefully Gen Z? I'm cusp millennial. I'm like. 98 was the cutoff year and that's the year I was born so like oh. I, it could go either way but I don't know wow I'm 92 so not too far away from you <laughs> um yes yeah, so I Lucas are you millennial then uh well I guess I was born in 96 so. yeah yeah Although I will say back to the initial that that 43% vote for Trump on the 14 to 30 year olds, that that doesn't surprise me insofar as if you look at what we've done to the education system, I feel like that is a direct result of us gutting the education system. So we have a population where we have some people who grew up in an educate a public education system in a specific school district where they had a great education. And we have a lot of people that grew up in a school district that didn't have a lot of local taxes funding that education system and they didn't get the best possible education. So we have a massive education gap in this country based on income and incomes getting far, far worse in this country And because of the way we fund education, I think that's really a direct result of that. Because when you look at the income level support of people that are supporting Trump, I think you'll see the extremely wealthy are supporting Trump because they don't want to get taxed, which is scum and makes them horrible human beings. So that's that. And I lump 
about three of my family members into that because that's specifically why they're voting for them. And yeah, they're absolute scum. Um, but then I think you have a whole other group of people who are genuinely just uneducated and have no idea what the hell's going on and have no concept of really of self outside of their tiny little microcosm of where they're physically located. Like they don't understand life off of welfare. They don't understand what it's like to have children without WIC assistance. And they don't really understand WIC assistance comes from the government. Like they don't, they don't really get that. So, and I think part of that is from a broken education system and you're getting Trump voters from that because Trump is saying he's going to save them. Like he's going to save the coal miners, right? He's got this whole huge saving the poor population and they're buying it because they don't have the education to see through his lying garbage yeah i didn't say i didn't say the word we don't have to edit that um (laughs) so i i think that you're also going to see a lot of that and you've got kids growing up in that environment they don't have the education to see through it so i think you are i i'm actually not surprised by that statistic i want to be outraged about this i want to be outraged about what you said and be like that's classist as and 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 maybe a little bit of racist is in how the uh, economics of of schools and stuff play out, especially in inner cities. I want to be I want to jump you on that one. Um, well, and yet, unfortunately, that's also how um, numbers work too. So, um, I work in education, and I think that there's been a calculated. Um, you know, with Betsy DeVos. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous. She's in, there's there's been a calculated uh, attempt to make people uneducated. Well, they don't have government. They don't have history anymore. Look at Indiana. You know, look at Indiana. We have, what, 2 billion in uh, rainy day funds, and I'm not sure exactly what kind of rainy day they're expecting if this doesn't count as one. Um, Bearcat days, right, right. Uh, maybe, maybe tomahawk cruise missiles for each department. Who knows? But um, you know, this—they've been killing education in Indiana for decades. Um, they've been trying to get rid of our our Department of Education on both a, a state and national level for decades. It's been on the Republican Party's you know hit list. They've this is Trump isn't the doing all of this by himself. He's no, enacting no, no. things that have been long time. Yeah. He's yeah. just the one who doesn't care if people attack him for it because he's not a career politician, so he's not playing the long game. Mm-hmm. He's just like, you know, all right, I'll I'll write a, a executive order. I'll appoint Betsy DeVos to kill to finally kill off the education system like they've been trying to do in bits and pieces. Um, education is going to be a class thing. Yeah. Only the privileged are educated. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's what we've been running to in this country for a while, and Trump has just launched the missiles at it, essentially. Yeah, yeah which is I mean, why I can't argue with you. I, I can't say that you're wrong. I can't say like that thing that liberals are supposed to do where like, I'm going to call you out in everything that is problematic um, because right. Cancel. It, it is. <laughs> yeah, it is. Engine- Where's the mute button? Uh, it is engineered. Well, I have uh, to say to be that way. My 
my company, we were the first consultants on No Child Left Behind, oh. the initiative George Bush did. Mm-hmm. And our report stated, this doesn't work. This isn't good. This isn't good for the kids. And the response was like, yay, we're doing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah it, it wasn't. So, you know, they could call it No Child Left Behind. Um, you can it call is, it whatever. And I think that going to the education thing, people are not educated uh, specifically to analyze what's going on in, in their government. You know, we took civics classes in grade school and in junior high and in high school mm-hmm. um, where I went to school. And we understood uh, differences in governmental systems. We, we understood that we it was our job to um, to to be that informed electorate that we're supposed to be, and I just thought that was the way it was across the nation, but it's not, and definitely not across time. Yeah, and it's even going back many many years, and I'm not saying how many, but and I'm going to North Carolina, but I'm from an area of North Carolina where my specific school district happened to be lucky enough to be in an area with a gated golf community. So guess what? Property taxes super high. I had a fantastic education. A friend of mine from a few counties over, like same area. And let's be fair, you can't mm-hmm. hear it in my voice, but I am from the mountains of North Carolina. We are white trash. <laughs> um, mountains of North Carolina. My, my friend, we were discussing the same things that we had in school. We had entire computer labs dedicated to teaching us typing. I had a coding class that counted as a math course. She, didn't, she never saw a computer in high school. Never saw one. Her school couldn't afford them. They didn't have them. She never used a computer. And okay, this was a while ago. But at the same time, I had vast advantages over her just living a few counties over. Mm-hmm. And this was a long time ago. So it's not like those differences got any better. No, They've gotten it, substantially worse. Right? Sounds yeah. like Oklahoma City, to be honest. Uh, when I was going to high school like 10 years ago, my tuition was like 700 a month for like the one of the most prestigious schools in the in the area. And it was like pretty big. And if you weren't like, because uh, it was a Catholic school, if you weren't Catholic, it was 900, almost 1,000 to go. Um, and that was for that particular area. But if you were one of the... Um, you know, not as big schools or in other districts, you didn't get the same advantages we did. You know, you didn't get the same technology levels, you didn't get the same education styles. You dealt with uh, stuff where like, we heard like they had to tighten security because of, you know, issues with students because of just what they're exposed to versus what we were being put in a loftier school. And I think that's uh, that's unfair that they did that, and especially again, like, you're talking on the whole education topic. It is pretty, pretty interesting to see how calculated that entire process is even down the line later like it's incredible it is and i I was going to say um lots of things have not changed you go to places in west virginia virginia schools i go to and visit and they're in quonset huts they don't have internet they don't have computers they don't have anything i mean it's, it's basically a babysitting operation wow that's disgusting. Um, it's tragic. In, in this country of plenty <laughs> that we have kids living like this and going to school like this. 
it's not okay, not in 2020, for them to still sort of be living like they're in 1930s Dust Bowl. Right. But it's happening. And and this, that, that, you know, my outrage comes from not having been exposed to something like that. Like, I, I would guess that there's just even a, a basic standard of, you know, it should be like a permanent structure, at least. Um, but right. no, I mean, like... Not a but i mean you know used computers at least internet come on i mean if you can get you know uh satellite tv you get internet but um but that manufactured disparity because we don't need Mm -hmm. to do it like that uh we don't need that at all as you said it's manufactured and then that creates generations of people who don't have the tools necessary to make proper decisions in their lives. It also doesn't give people perspective. Um, you know, I, I grew up by Chicago and in Northwest Indiana, and it was extremely diverse, like one of the most diverse places in the country. And I benefited from hearing languages that I didn't speak spoken and, and meeting and knowing people that were, uh, not exactly like me and how I was raised. And, um, you know, I hear that, you know, the, the thing that combats racism and, and um, the particular brand of xenophobia that we have is travel. And <laughs> I haven't been able to take my daughter traveling anywhere, you know. Um, I feel that. I feel how we need to um, connect more with people who are dissimilar to us uh, you know, I thought the internet would be a great way to do that, but of course, yeah, we don't have universal contact with people, and it's easy to keep um, keep people ignorant of other ways mm-hmm. of how it could be of taking well taking away that us versus them mentality because they actually know the them. You know, the them ceases to be a series of uh, traits and turns out to be actual people. Um, and I think that's how to best connect people and to defeat this mentality in this country is to stop being so damned, um, tribalistic and, uh, in the one sense of the term. Mm-hmm. So, well, and, and the internet can be used for that ability though, because you still have these groups of people that are connecting worldwide. I mean, um, like when the quarantine first hit, there's a uh, musician, he's British, but he lives in Spain. And he's like, this is depressing and terrible and I can't work because everybody's in lockdown. So he started live streaming every day. So now we have this community of people on a Discord server that like there's a guy in New Zealand, there's a bunch of Brits, there's Spanish people, there's, uh, there's an Argentinian, like there's a lot of people just working in this community and we're all talking to each other on a Discord server. So like these communities can be built and you can have conversations with people around mm-hmm. the world. So it's possible to get that kind of worldwide exposure in these communities, but it's something that has to be built. So like Chris Kronos, that's the guy's name. He's a fantastic musician, by the way. You should totally look up his YouTube channel. Um, but it's something that Chris himself has built. So like you, you have to get someone willing to, to want to build that kind of community. But those communities exist. But A, you have to want to seek that out. 
We'll see. That's my next question. Um, how do we move forward with intention? How do we break these barriers? How do we create these structures and these these uh, communication modes? So with an intent to break the stranglehold of uh, misinformation, disinformation, and and us versus them mentality. Um, because, you know, we're just hoping and praying, it seems, as liberal folk in this country. I don't want to pigeonhole anybody here. But <clears throat> um, you all sound pretty liberal to me. Uh, <laughs> you Are know... What? Are we folk? <laughs> uh, folks. <laughs> Are we folks? Uh, or just maybe Antifa. Maybe. <laughs> right. Burn it all down. Sorry. Right. <laughs> Was that me? I'm sorry. Oh, I'm going to get so much hate mail from my family on this. Um, <laughs> Whoops. Oh, well. <laughs> right? We're your family now. <laughs> uh. Does your family listen to our show? Because that would be awesome if they did. Oh, I don't. I have no idea. I have no. I don't think sometimes they surprise me. Would encourage them to think otherwise, right? (laughs) Oh, if they haven't by now, they're not going to. So, Mm -hmm. um, but no, this is like this. This we have to stop hoping and praying that somebody else does stuff and create these things ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So, how do we do that? How do we start? you know, act locally and think globally kind of thing. I know, have an LGBTQ radio show. (laughs) It'll never work. (laughs) I mean, my thoughts on it are kind of basically like we're talking about now, just like doing it instead of sitting back hoping it happens. Um, Like Ashley was talking about the communities, like I'm on Twitch and a lot of my friends have been doing theirs for a couple of years now. They've got, you know, followers from like Argentina, India, Slovakia, you know, and they're all communicating back and forth about what's going on there, what's going on here. A lot of, a lot of echoing back and forth. Um, I remember seeing a conversation between um, followers of my friend and the person in India was like, how are you doing in Slovakia? And the person in Slovakia was like, wait, someone in India knows what we're going through? So it's interesting to see how it's building like that too. And I definitely agree that you know, building those communities is going to be huge in trying to build this global awareness. Um, but also on the same, same coin but other side, You've also got people who, while they have the internet and technology at the, the tips of their fingers, don't use it properly for the means that it was presented for. Um, and I'm sorry, I do speak a lot from my experience, you know, of, of, through my life, but I have a friend who for a while was so convinced that global warming didn't exist, he would hunt down articles to argue with me over instead of going, hey, I'm seeing these things, I'm seeing the data from scientists, maybe I'm wrong and I want to learn more. But he didn't have the understanding of, hey, maybe I'm doing this wrong. So I think there's also that gap with people that if they're not educated properly, they're not given the reason to do so, they will still continue to flounder with technology instead of finding these communities that we will have to work harder to bring them forward into and give them that education, give them that community um, in order to make things work. Yeah, and that's the other side of the coin is like groups like, you know, inf- information can spread in a positive way, but also in, you know, connection. But like QAnon, for example, is, yeah. you know, what can happen when, you know, um, information on the internet is spread in a negative way, you know? Um, 
I, I really think that if we're going to use the schools as a, a primary teaching tool for this, uh, we need to really jump on that and be involved with our schools. Um, we had uh, uh, April Hennessy on last week, uh, who she won her race for school. Yep. Yay. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and um, you know, and, and I think we need to push for better understanding and better better standards and not just testing standards but educational. I agree. Yeah, but, that's why yeah. But we gotta push the the government to because mm -hmm. they're the ones with the stranglehold, right? Yeah. That's why you gotta vote. Well, but beyond that, we voted, so now we don't do anything for a couple of years. Well, okay. I still know a lot of people who and I was gonna bring this up earlier, like I feel like a lot of people didn't turn out to vote because they feel like their vote doesn't matter. Yeah. And like, yeah, the electoral college is pretty much going to decide this and like it does for every election, mm -hmm. but the electoral college and you can't, your votes really matter for the local government. And like, if we didn't go out and vote, then we uh, wouldn't have April on the school board seat. Just encouraging people to learn is tough. I mean, I'm, I have a hard enough time with my kid and that's just one person. <laughs> You know, how do we mobilize a state? How do we mobilize uh, to have people come together and demand that our kids get a basic education across the board, no matter, no matter where they live or who they are? My, my personal experience on this, and I don't know if Justin's familiar with the Finnish education overhaul. I don't no, know. I'm not. Okay, so Finland... Um, a while back decided that they wanted to make education equal for every student in Finland. So what they did was they completely overhauled their education system. They eliminated all private schools and all homeschooling. And um, they made every school exactly the same across the country. They also only hired teachers with a master's degree or higher, and that's elementary school and above. Uh, teachers get paid in Finland a extremely high salary. And being told that you're a teacher, <laughs> yeah, like you get paid. And in Finland, if you're just, if you tell someone you're a teacher, like, oh, you're a teacher, like it's a very high status occupation in Finland right now. Um, and that's the only thing they want to do is make it equal. That was their only goal. That's all they cared about. They eliminated testing. They don't care about tests. There were no state tests. We already know that testing is the, the worst way to gauge yeah. somebody's knowledge and to edify them in anything. Yeah. So just cram for a test. They don't really yeah. need to learn the material. They don't remember it. They just, that's just it. So it was, that's all they did. Just equality. That's the only thing they wanted. They wanted every student in Finland, no matter where they lived, to get the same education as if you lived in Helsinki. That was the whole point. So like five years later, the, they do a world test um, and they rank countries against each other and Finland came in first place. This is why Finland is one of my favorite countries. They're like, no, no, you did the wrong test. You screwed it up somehow. That's not right. And they were like, no, you, you guys are first. They're like, no, 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 that's not what we tried to do. We just wanted to make it equal. That's all we care about. And <laughs> no, you guys are actually number one in education in the world. And they're like, no, 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 no. You, that's not what we tried to do. But that's what they wound up doing right. because that's what happens when you make everybody in your country get an equal education. That's exactly how it works. And the pushback in this country is always, oh, well, Finland's a tiny country. It's the size of a freaking state, man. Yep. Any state could do this. Stop putting local taxes towards local schools put it all in one pot for the entire state and dole it out equally to every school in the state. It's a very simple fix in my opinion. 
but you know that is a problem and as as much as you know I, I have a lot of lot lot of friends who are absolutely anti-capitalist you know the unchecked capitalism that we have here that that is a huge part of the inequality exactly so yep. the whole system needs an overhaul yeah it's how most decisions are being made you know um one thing to go back to elections and voting which i do think voting is very important despite our concerns um the reason i mentioned this is because remember when uh indiana went blue for obama i never saw that coming you know so we just have to keep trying and then i think that because it's an election night we really need to talk about sarah mcbride who became yes well and not just right yeah, not just her, but I, I mean, she's making some news right now, which I think is just uh, fabulous. Oh, yeah. Uh, the highest ranking transgender politician. Um, she Out of Delaware. Yes. And uh, let me pull her up here. We, First we, transgender ever, right? Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And she was also the first transgender intern at the White House. Oh, so okay. There's That's been her. some good news. So there's uh, there's her, there, which is fantastic. Then uh, New York City Council member, who's the uh, first Afro-Latinx uh, person, gay, uh, elected to Congress. Stephanie Byers is the first transgender person of color in a state legislature from Chickasaw Nation, my stepdad's Chickasaw. That's amazing. And then uh, there's a, a sheriff that was elected. Um, she's a lesbian. She was fired for being a lesbian. That and was such a great story. Yeah, that yeah. was fantastic. Like, vindication, right? I mean, that's just lovely. I love what it. That. I don't think I heard that story. What is just a short overview of that? Mm. I'm interested. Somebody want to take it? I got it in front of me, but. Okay, well, then you take it. Oh. You got it in front of you. You got more details than I remember. I talk most of all. <laughs> um, uh, Sherman McGuffey, uh, and she was out of uh, Ohio, Hamilton County. Uh, she defeated Bruce Hoffbauer, uh, her Republican opponent, in the general election with 52% of the vote. So still close, but it's Ohio, right? Uh, it, he was her uh, former boss. And uh, let's see. I wanted to get a quote, the quote from her. My election uh, would mean that our country is moving forward. Um, that we really have moved away from the 1950s era of law enforcement, where not just women are embraced in law enforcement, the law enforcement world, but also LGBTQ members of the community can now wear a uniform and be quite successful. Um, so not getting mudslingy with it, but uh, just being out and proud there. Um, uh she carried a bunch of endorsements from senators uh so she was fired by she was this fired. other guy that was the sheriff okay yeah. and then took his seat that's awesome yeah, she ran against him and she won that's so cool mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> what did we say we'll take your jobs right? <laughs> what everyone's afraid of no. <laughs> it's um <laughs> we'll take your jobs i haven't God, like I remember being, I think I was like eighteen or nineteen, and I went to go apply for the Navy, and I passed the test with a perfect score. Didn't study for it, won it completely. 
um, also raised Air Force. So, I mean, it was kind of, kind of back knowledge. But when it came down to figuring out the details after I had, I had successfully completed that, I got denied for being intersex. They're like, we can't put you with the guys, we can't put you with the girls. So we're just going to go ahead and outright just exclude you completely. Thank you for applying. This was like right before Don't Ask Don't Tell fell. And I've talked to friends about going back now, and I'm like, I, the, 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 the idea was lost. I was done. Like, that ruined any, any want to try to go back to that because what do you do? So hearing somebody actually go and not only take what had happened to them and use it not only against the person that did it to them, but also take their position is amazing. Yeah. Like, it's cool to see that turnover and go, oh, hey. <laughs> And how does that look for people who are coming up, right? Um, mm -hmm. Despite what you feel about law enforcement, uh, what does that say to somebody who wants to go into that field who's LGBT, right? Because uh, the culture of law enforcement is is something else that needs to be worked on. Um, but also having representation in law enforcement is absolutely in imperative. Uh, Mari Turner from Oklahoma. Um, they're a non-binary activist and uh, and and Muslim and uh, oh my god, a black person. And in Oklahoma, in Oklahoma City, uh, they won their election. So oh my god, that's amazing. Yeah. Oh. Being raised there, that yeah, no, that's incredible. Oh my god, wait, that's where you're from, Velvet? <laughs> um, not. Natively, I'm from Louisiana, but I was raised most of my oh. life in uh, in Oklahoma and mainly in Oklahoma City. So, like, just hearing someone of 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 their caliber doing that, right? It blows my mind because, again, like I said, I'm used to it. You would never see someone like that normally go through that process, and and even let alone make it. So, like, that's that's really cool. Oh God. <laughs> So the that... thought of non-binary people in office makes me really happy. Oh yeah, so. <laughs> right. And and that's what I kind of wanted to um, to end the the show on is a positive note. Um, we aren't this even if Biden wins, uh, we are shown the the true colors of this nation and the people of the nation. Um, and how much the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I just wanted to slide that in. Because they basically risked the election. They risked getting Donald Trump reelected. And, I mean, it could still happen. But mm -hmm. this is so close. And they picked the most, in my opinion, one of the most unelectable. And uh, just, just a terrible candidate. That's just what I think. I, I'm sure there are a lot of people who disagree with me. But well, a lot of people were holding their noses and voting, you know. Um, but despite what goes on at the national level and on that uh, um, mess, at the local levels, at at these, you know, face to face interactions and and getting to know people, we are winning, and we keep winning. And the past three election cycles have shown that. You know, we're here. Uh, in places that we've never, in places of power that we've never been before. And we need to keep doing that. And we need to keep showing up and we need to keep running. Um, and uh, 
Uh, so Justin, whatever, whenever you're running for governor um, or mayor or whatever. Why have you decided that for me? What? Because <laughs> you're a star. Yeah. Um, oh, I, I, I vote right. for you. <laughs> or, or Ashley, if you're into that. I'm, I We haven't talked in a while. I don't know if you're... I am way too tattooed with way too sordid a past to ever run for political office. And what did that Muslim person say when they were considering going? You know, nobody had won. So... Go for it. This is the thing. We need to be there. We need to be in the seats of power. If you, regardless mm-hmm. of how you feel about uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, too, um, you know when she had that quote about how many how many women do you think need to be on the bench, and she's like, yeah. "We'll be there when when there are, all of them are filled with women." Um, all of them are filled. So, uh, not saying no. that we need to be superior in number to anybody else on the. Uh, in the halls of power, but if it happened once or twice, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> need enough of a voice. Yeah. We, we need to speak out. We need to be known. We need to familiarize people with ourselves. It's not just we're here, we're queer, get used to it. It's, you know, you know us and um, we're just as valid as you. So mm-hmm. knock your BS off and, uh, start voting like you care about people anywho (laughs) (laughs) we have gone way over right well we're out of time again um to say the least i would love to thank you for coming on ashley and velvet this has been wonderful and i've loved to hear your your perspectives and voices and you have to come on again um yes it was wonderful meeting you too and Mm -hmm. great input Thank you for having me. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Thank you for answering my call out. (laughs) Uh, Let me know when you want me again. Same. (laughs) Well, we got a big yard uh, and chairs. So uh, I want you tomorrow in the front yard uh, to hang out. Um, Everybody. (laughs) (laughs) I'll hop right on a plane. Well, you know, we could put a, a monitor in a chair with a camera. Oh, perfect. Yeah, yeah. we'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, who wants to read the part of Justin? Justin? Blooming Out is a production of WFHB Community Radio and produced by Melanie Davis and Cade Young. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. I'm Ireland Meacham. I'm Lucas Fisher. And I'm Melanie Davis. Remember, if everything were straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Be well, stay safe, speak truth, manifest equity, demand justice, and good night from your blowing out family.